0: In Daniel, this is a great segue. Uh, we're going to be looking in Daniel chapter one and verse number eight. And uh, so, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, you can go ahead and do that. Of course, now Brantley's going to shut his eyes, which is what he normally does when I preach, and so he passes out of sleep. Uh, I want to say also to—I uh, know—heard Scott Mudger and his dad; they won the big golf tournament, uh, so they won a bunch of money. So we're excited about them giving that to the church today. Uh, so uh, congratulations guys. Uh, Daniel 1 chapter 8, we'll look at verse number, uh, da- yeah, verse number 8 in just a few moments and we're continuing our series through the book of Daniel. Uh, so I read a story that was rather, rather interesting uh, that there was a university study that was done and they had some students come in, they would draw lines on the board, they do three lines and they would tell the students we want you to raise your hand whenever you see the longest line. Now, what all the students didn't know, uh, actually just one, nine of the students were in on it, uh, they told the nine students, they said, when you see the second longest line, raise your hand. We want to see how the tenth person responds. And so uh, as they would do that, they'd say, which one's the longest line? And they'd point to the second longest line, and nine of the students' hands would go up. The tenth student, knowing that it wasn't the longest line, would just sort of look around in surprise and then, before long, he just very slowly lifted his hand up as well. 75% of those 10 students, or the 10th student, would end up going along with the crowd. Now, the researchers concluded this. They said, what we concluded is that people would rather go along with the crowd rather than be right. And as I, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, if, if we are willing, if we feel so much peer pressure, to follow along with the crowd whenever the stakes aren't that high. Just think how much more people are going to be willing to go along with the crowd when they feel like that, that the stakes are much higher, whenever they feel like that maybe even their beliefs that they really hang on to are on the line, that they'd rather please the crowd than stand up for what's right. And, and that's why we're going through the book of Daniel. I've, as I've been reading through the book of Daniel, it's just been really interesting to me to see that there were these guys who were living in a culture that was very much counter to their faith. And it would have been very easy for them to make the decision, we're going to blend in. We're going to be like everybody else. But these guys were different. They made a decision that they were going to be men who were going to be faithful and true to the God that they believed in. And I just really believe that this is a, this is a pertinent message or a pertinent book for, for our world today, because we are living in a society, we're living in a culture that is more and more drifting away from mainstream beliefs that we find in Scripture. And, and we're seen. if you hold to Scripture, many times you're being seen as being outside the norm, like you're strange. And so what, what happens is many of us are willing to, to say, on the surface we're believers, but whenever it comes to the, the nitty-gritty of our faith, so many people would rather go along with the crowd than to simply be right according to God's word. And here's the deal. Guys, our calling is not to fit in with culture. I'm not saying that it's always a bad thing, but our calling is not to fit in with culture. Our calling is to be a leader and to be a light in the culture in which we are living. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see a story of a group of men who were caught up in a culture that was contrary to God. And so the question is, as they were facing this dilemma, what do they do? As as we face the dilemma of living in a culture that is more and more sliding away from what God's Word says, the question is, how are we supposed to respond? How are we supposed to live? And here's the good news. We see a great example of it in our text today in the book of Daniel. And so that's why we're going to look in Daniel chapter 1 in verse number 8 in just a few moments. And if you, if you know much about Israel, if you have a map in your Bible, it's kind of interesting to look, at, uh, to, look at, to look at where Israel is. It's like a land bridge that is between you know, Africa and Europe. So there's, there's Africa down here, there's Europe right here, and there's this little strip, and that's where Israel is. Israel is a small country. I think it's around the size of the state of New Jersey. And yet, isn't it interesting that even though it's such a small little piece of land, I mean, almost every day when you watch the news, it's in the news. Isn't that interesting? Now, the reason why, and this is my Christian perspective, is it's God's land. And not everybody's excited about God's land. They're not excited about the people of God. But because of where it's located, for centuries, everybody has wanted to control that little piece of land because of its connection between Africa and Europe. Now, during the time in which this book was being written, King Nebuchadnezzar, his kingdom, was in charge of Israel. You might remember what they had done as they had gone into Israel. They had destroyed Jerusalem. They went to the temple. They absolutely ripped it down, and now they were in charge and they grabbed the best and the brightest of the land of Israel, and they brought them back to their kingdom to serve them. And four of the guys that they brought back are guys, you, if you grew up in the church, you're very familiar with them. There's Daniel, Shadrach, y'all tell me who's the other two. That's right, Meshach and Abednego. The first service didn't do so well. So y'all did great. So those are the four guys that, 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 were, that are being talked about today in our passage of Scripture. And these four guys are worth paying attention to because they dared to be different. They were living in a culture that was very much different than the God they served. But they dared to be different. Christians, we are living in a time, and I'm, I'm, every, I'm sure every generation says this, but let me tell you something, this is, it is true. We are living in a time where if we are going to see God move through his people, his people have to dare to be different. They said, well, how, what do we do? How do we do that? How do we, how do we dare to be different? I'm not talking about being necessarily weird, but let's just look and see what the guys in our text did. How did they dare to be different? Well, first of all, real simple, they made a decision. They made a decision to stand firm in their faith. In other words, we we believe this. Believe what God says, and we're going to stand on it and trust that he's true. Uh, Now look with me in verse number 8. It says, Daniel determined. Now if you have a pen with you and you have your Bible with you, the word determined is a good one to underline. It says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank, and so he asked permission from the chief official not to defile himself God had granted Daniel favor, compassion from the chief official, yet he said to Daniel, he said, My lord, the king, assigned your food and drink, and I'm afraid of what would happen if he saw your faces looking thinner than those of the other young men your age. You would endanger my life with the king. All right, now here's what's going on here. The Hebrew exiles had just been brought into Babylon. Uh, this was, it was a trip. I mean, it's not like they were going from, you know, uh, Blythewood to Ridgeway. I mean, this is a long trip they took here. They had to walk. It was an arduous journey, and so they finally arrive in the capital city of Babylon. And there's four guys that were focused on Daniel, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, they, those were actually the last three names were actually Babylonian names. I want to share with you what their names were in Hebrew. Uh, first of all, we are told that the first one was Daniel. Here's what his name means. His name means God is my judge. The, other's man names, the other man's name was Hananiah. His name meant the grace of the Lord. Misael means he that is the strong God. Azariah, his name meant the Lord is my help. Every, I, mean, I point this out because every one of these names deals with the God they serve, the God of Scripture. So obviously their parents wanted to remind them through their names, this is who your God is. Your God is your helper. Your God is a God of grace. He is a God of power. He's a God who will help. So they arrive in Babylon, and guess what the Babylonians do? They change their names. Now, they, they, they change their names because they're trying to move them from their culture where they're from, and they're trying to, they're trying to bring them along to fit in with their culture so they get new names. All right, I'll share with you the new names. Not that you'll remember. It's just kind of interesting. Uh, Daniel's name was changed to Belteshazzar which meant keeper of the hidden treasures of Baal. That was one of the gods they served. Shadrach means the inspiration of the sun. Meshach meant the goddess of Shaq, not Shaquille, but Shaq. Uh, Abednego means the servant of the shining fire. So they changed their names to fit in with the gods they served. Now what are they doing? They're just very slowly trying to change their culture. And it's actually, it's kind of a brilliant move. I mean, they didn't say start worshiping our God right now. They just—we're just, just going to change your names, you know. We want you—we want it to be easier to say, you know, in our language. So they changed their names to the gods of the Babylon's, uh, the Babylonians. And I thought, man, that's a, that's that's sort of what our culture does. The world does. Just very slowly, they began to try to pull us away from the God that we serve. They began to to sort of change the the morals that we have the beliefs that we have, so that we begin to say, well, it's really not that big of a deal if I just sort of step over here and begin to become more like the world. And and you can see where we've come. Fifty years ago, I mean, just 50 years ago, I guarantee you, some of the social stands that we take today, they would have been totally unacceptable 50 years ago. George Barna, Christian pollster, said the basic beliefs of Christians today with the rest of the world. He said they are virtually the same. Now, we we like to have some form of religion, but we want to live like everybody else. We want to be like the culture around us. By and large, I'm not saying you, but by and large, Christians believe it doesn't really matter what God you believe in. By and large, Christians today follow moral relativism. Well, you know, it, it's not right for me, but if it's right for you, that's okay. Or, you know, if it feels good, you do it. Now, some things might feel good to you that are different than me, but it really doesn't matter. And so where's this lettuce? There's an article in Texas Business Magazine. This is not a Christian publication. Here's what it said. It says, what's going on in North America? It says, We've caught, we have no built-in beliefs. We have no ethical boundaries. Cheat on your taxes, don't get caught. Cheat on your wife, just don't get AIDS. Our high-tech society's given us everything, everything, but a conscience and integrity is a mangled casualty of our times. That's that's kind of an an indictment. Now, we we like surface things. We like our faith to be on the surface. Oh, yeah, I go to church, I believe in all this. But once you scratch off the surface for many people, we are just like everybody else. That's why I'm so impressed. These guys were reading about Daniel and his buddies. They did not give a rip what the world thought. Now they weren't jerks. They said, "You know what's important to us? It's God. You know what's important to us? It's being obedient to the God that we believe in." And we can see an example of this in, in verse number eight. If you look at it, there, the king offered these guys come into town. It's the best and brightest. He says, "Given the best food I've got, given the best drink that I've got." What did the men do? They, they rejected it. I mean, we're not going to take it. Now, the reason why is because years before, God had told his people, I want you to be different. I want you to be set apart. And, and one of the ways they did this was with food. And so he said, I want you to, I, I, and this is called kosher. The food they were getting was not kosher. It was not prepared the right way. It's not the right kind of food. And they said, we're, we're not going to take it. Now, you can look at that and say, is that really that big of a deal? I mean, you know, they, they've been, if you remember, I told you all last or two weeks ago, that they'd been under siege for like a year and a half. Cannibalism was taking place in Jerusalem. It was awful. And then they show up, and they're like, hey, man, we got a bunch of food for you guys. you got a bacon sandwich. I mean, that's not bad. Now, I go for bacon. You know, you look at it and say, well, if I just give in in this little part, is it really that big of a deal? But here's what they knew. Here's what Daniel knew. Daniel knew, if I give in in the small things in my faith, boy, it's going to be a whole lot easier for me to give in to the big things in my faith. That's why he said he determined that he wouldn't defile himself of the king's food. That word determined, it means to stand. Daniel said, I will stand on who my God is. He will be the foundation of my life. And why would he do that? Because he knew that God, as his foundation, was solid and sturdy. The foundation of this world, y'all, it is crazy. You know, what's right today, it's probably going to be wrong tomorrow. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Moses had an inkling of this. And when we're told about him in in, uh, Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, it says, By faith Moses, when he'd grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose. He chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since his attention was on the reward. Now, guys, I want to be honest with you. The path that Daniel and his buddies decided to take, that is not the easy path. We're going to find out more, because you know in the book of Daniel, when you think of Daniel, what do you typically think of? Daniel and the lion's den. Okay, y'all, that's a story right there. We're going to be talking about that one, I think, uh, maybe next week. Uh, uh, That is not easy. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the, what kind of furnace? Fiery furnace. The, the, the paths are taken here. This is not an easy path. Now, it's not like they were shooting to be martyrs. It's not like they're saying, you know what, I hope the king throws me into a, you know, a fiery furnace. That They were just making the decision, we, we want to honor God because we love God. And Jesus said, this is John fourteen fifteen. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, why does God want obedience from us? Because he sees things better than we do. He's a different perspective. I, I can give you kind of an example of this. Billy Graham's daughter, Ann Graham lotz and I'm sure some of you have done some of her Bible studies before, but she is married to a really tall guy. He's six foot seven. And she said, which is really handy. She said, when we go to the University of North Carolina football game, she said, I, I get out of the car, there's a lot of people milling around. She says, I walk over and I just grab onto his hand. and and he just leads me right to the stadium. She said, I hang on to him because he's so much taller than everybody else. He can see over the crowd. So he never gets lost. She goes, I get in trouble if I ever lose grip of his hand, and then I get pushed along with the crowd, and I don't ever end up where I want to go. Now, in a sense, I think that is a picture of God for us. God's saying, hang on to my hand because I'm able to see this world from a different viewpoint than you have, I know it's best for you, and yet so many times we want to we fit in with the crowd so much we let go of God's hand, and we just go with the crowd. And then what happens? We're lost. And we never end up where we want to go. These guys in our text, they, they dared to be different. They were different because they made a decision to stand firm in the faith. We, say they also, we see they also dared to be different, and they made a decision to trust God, trust his leadership. Look in uh, verse number 11. It says, So Daniel said to the guard, the chief official had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, He said, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to, to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. And he agreed with them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And at the end of ten days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. All right, now what does this mean? Now, uh, and I'll try to explain. I am a preacher, and yet I am—I'm still amazed at how tempting the world is. I, I, of all people, should know that the stuff the world offers—it it doesn't pay. I, of all people, should know that the—that the stuff that the world says is really good. I should know, you know what, that, that's going to be short-lived. Now, I'm going to be honest with you all. There are times when I look at things that the world offers and I go, hey, that kind of looks fun. Yeah, that looks kind of good. I, of all people, should know better. Okay, now, I can be vulnerable to temptation. I look at the guys in our text. Remember, they have just come out of exile. They come into a new place and the king tempts them and says, man, have I got a spread for you to eat. It's not McDonald's. It's Bruce Chris, right? It's a mouth-watering deal. The world will always offer you mouth-watering deals. And yet Daniel looked at it and his friends, and they said, we don't want anything to do with it. We refuse what you're offering us. Now, that sounds noble. Sounds like a Sunday school thing they're trying to do here. Give Sunday school answers. We're not going to do that. We're going to remain faithful to God. We're going to do what God wants us to do. But, y'all, it wasn't just a simple rejection on the part. You have to understand, there was, this was serious. When, they reje- when you reject the king, you, you're, somebody's going to be watching you. I mean, the king could have come to look at them, and if they didn't look as good as everybody else, he could have talked to the officials and said, what's wrong with those guys? Well, they, they, didn't, they thought that they were too good for your stuff. You know, you know what the king could have done? The king said, fine, chop their heads off. Now, i got more guys here. I don't need those men. If they think they're too good, we're going to show them who's in charge right here. Now, it's not that these men were looking to be martyrs. You know what they're doing? They're looking to be obedient to God. They're looking to be faithful and to trust the leadership of God. You know what? If we are going to dare to be different, there's going to be times when we're going to have to go against the grain Say, so you know what? I know what this is what the world does. I know this is what the world says they believe in. But I will trust what God says. And I will trust his leadership and I will follow him. Now here's my fear. I'm afraid there's many of us as Christians, we don't pack much of a punch as Christians because we are not willing to trust that what God says in that book is true. And so we just simply want to go along with the world. We're looking to fit in with the world when God has never called us to fit in. He's called us to be obedient to him. People need to see our faith being put into action. It's only when it's put into action that you're going to see something happen. Now this is true. We know this in other areas of life. You know, every January we make New Year's resolutions and we, we hear people tell us all the time, I'm going to eat better this year, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to quit I'm going to quit smoking, maybe go to e cigarettes. You know, we have all these different little ideas of what we're going to do. And it works for a while, right? Looks good. And then what happens after like two months? Just begin to sort of taper off they like, man, I don't understand why I don't, I'm not looking any better. Well, when you do nothing, what can you expect? You can expect nothing. Guys, when we do not trust God, should we expect him to be working and moving through our lives? I, this is what I think is interesting. Daniel told the chief official, said, I'm not going to eat the food. He said, but what I want you to do is I want you to examine my life for ten days. And see if me being obedient to God makes a difference. That is a, that's a really interesting thing. He said, if I'm going to be obedient to God, then it will make a difference in the way I look, the way I, the way I, I live my life. It will make an impact on you. So what does he do? He does the, the guy comes back, the chief official comes back, looks at, looks at him after 10 days. What does he discover? He looks better. Yeah, man, this guy, this guy what he's saying, whenever he's trusting God... What this guy said is, man, it's absolutely true. He gives evidence of the power of God working in his life. Folks, if you want to give evidence of the power of God working in your life, you must trust him and trust that his word is true. Daniel and his friends were fearless because they knew as they were obedient to God that God would make himself evident. You think our world needs to see that? Man, our world needs to see the presence of God. Village church, that's our calling for God to allow God to work in us. So, how do we dare to be different? Make a decision to stand firm in the faith, be different by trusting God's leadership. And here's the last one. We can dare to be different by trusting that God will honor obedience. God honors obedience. Let me read the last few verses. Verse 17 says God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding. Okay, they're obedient. What does God do? He blesses them. It says he gave them knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. So, so what did Nebuchadnezzar find when he looked at them? Well, it says when he looked at them, he found them to be ten times better than all the diviner priests and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. God honors obedience to him. That's why whenever Moses led the Hebrew people out of Egyptian captivity, remember God gave them the Ten Commandments? Gave them Ten Commandments, and Moses said it's wise for us to be obedient to what God says. Why? Well, First Samuel uh, 28, 1 and 2, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, says, now if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all the commands I give you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord. More than anything else, God is looking for obedience. He's looking for me and you to say, God, I see what you call for us to do, and I will do it. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, we, that's what God says. Yeah, you know, that is true in your life as well. You are more interested in obedience you're more interested in substance than form if you are a parent. All of you have kids. How many times have you told your kids to do something and they said, I will do it, and then they don't do it? Now, do you enjoy that? No, you know, it ticks you off. You would rather your kids say, you know, I don't, I'm not going to do it, and then them do it. Why? Because you're more interested in obedience than you are in form, I think. Isn't that right? I mean, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say that? I'm, I know I am. I, won't, I just simply want my kids to be obedient. God's the same way. He doesn't want us to pay lip service to Him and say, Lord, I came to church today and I dropped, I dropped some money in the offering basket and then go out and, and live like Satan. You know, God doesn't. He'd rather you not give squat. He wants you to be obedient to what He says. Samuel told the people this in 1 Samuel 15:22. He says, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Daniel said, God, we're just going to be obedient to you, and then we will let the chips fall where they may. That is exactly right. You know, too many of us, too, and for me, I'm too, I am too nervous about what the world's going to think if I'm obedient to God. Who gives a rip what the world thinks? Be obedient to God. Tr- trust Him. Y'all, this world's crazy. But our God is faithful and true. We've not been called to fit in with culture. We have been called to be a light in culture. And the only way we can do that is by trusting and following and being obedient to the Lord. Y'all, more than ever, we need leaders. People who will be obedient to Jesus and then let the chips fall where they may. Well, look at our guys today. How did they dare to be different? They stood firm in their faith. They trusted the leadership of God. And they trusted the God owner's obedience. Guys, the, the God of this book, It's the same God today. God will honor obedience. Village Church, if we are obedient to the Lord, and we say, you know what, we will stand firm on what God says. We will love people. We will serve people. We will hold true to the word of God. God will honor that. God will bless that, and I believe that God will bring people here to hear about him and for their lives to be changed. We need more Daniels. I need to be more like Daniel. My prayers that you will too.